Welcome to Grounded and Soaring. My name is Sam Shapiro, and I'm the head of school at Marin Montessori School. Today, I'm excited to talk with Noah Orgish, who is the educational technologist for Marin Academy High School. So, so Noah, you're the educational technologist at Marin Academy? Yeah. Okay. What is an educational technologist, technologist at Marin Academy? What does that mean? Yeah, so I kind of wear a lot of different hats here at Marin Academy, um, but the overarching kind of description of my my job and my role is to help students and teachers effectively use technology for their learning. No, I'm just really excited to to, to talk with you because you're in you're deep in the educational space and the high school educational space, the college prep high school educational space right now. When Chat GPT is really coming on online and becoming ubiquitous. Um, and AI is really something we're all now thinking and talking about. Uh, and, and so I, 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 what I'm most curious in this conversation is to get a sense of, you know, what are you seeing and thinking about um, around how these AI tools are going to be impacting education and what what you think we should be thinking about in terms of preparing our children for this world. But I wonder if we could start by if you could help us just getting clear on nomenclature. So AI is thrown around a lot. Um what what do we mean when we mean when we say AI versus something like searching the internet? And and also, could you help differentiate what is Chat GPT within that AI space? Yeah. So, artificial intelligence is um, you know the use of a computer and algorithms to uh, basically train a model with data of some sort that can be visual data, can be text data, and you're training this computer to be able to look at all of the patterns in that data, in those, in whatever you feed into it, um, to be able to then take different data and um, output something based off of what it's learned. ChatGPT is a type of AI that has been fed with, you know, instead of images or instead of other things, it's been fed with, essentially ChatGPT has been fed with the whole internet um, up until, you know, whenever they release it. And now they've had some updates where it can actually read the internet currently, but it used to be that it was just like up until, you know, 2021 or whatever um, that, date was, I don't remember exactly, that they stopped feeding that kind of algorithm. Um, and ChatGPT is a, is a large language model. So it takes all of this language, um, it reads and looks at all of this stuff. And basically what it does is it says, oh, in my body of stuff that I've been fed with, when this, when these subsets of words are arranged in this order, the probability is that this word or this type of word or this section of word is going to show up next. Um, so that's what it's actually doing. As That's what ChatGPT is doing. It's not actually thinking. And I think this is a really important thing that people don't um, often kind of understand is that AI right now is not actually intelligent. Um, I mean, it is in certain ways, but it's not actually thinking for itself. You know, when you... If you've tried ChatGPT, you type in like, you know, here's this uh, thing that I want to accomplish in my class today. What should I do? Right. And it spits out this text and it's pretty amazing to see. Right. Um, 
And it's like, whoa, this thing totally understands me, et cetera. But it's not actually understanding you. It's not like there's some mind somewhere that's like actually responding to you. ChatGPT is just looking at probabilities. It's mm-hmm. saying, okay, you know, when somebody's been talking about this sort of thing, here's the probabilities that these words show up next. I mean, it's just because it's been trained on millions and millions and millions of words, it's able to know relatively well or guess relatively well what might be a good, you know, follow-up line or sentence or word or paragraph to whatever you're talking about. I do think it's really important to recognize that there are uh, pitfalls and, you know, down downfalls and issues with um, artificial intelligence like this and kind of algorithms like this. Um, you know, these, as I said, these models are trained on kind of all of the internet. Um, and while that includes Wikipedia and, you know, actual, like, and Wikipedia is not, you know, it's not particularly the most reliable, but it's not horrible. Um, but, you know, so it includes kind of these reliable sources, but it also includes things like Reddit and Quora and 4chan and, you know, like all of these things that you can imagine are just random users writing random things on the internet. Right. Um, and with that, you know, you have issues with reliability in terms of truth. Um, you have issues in terms of like the biases of that are present on the internet. Um, and I know like this is a big thing, you know, when ChatGPT first came out, people were talking all about like, the ways that it perpetuated biases that we see in our world already um, in a way that it, it it just kind of regurgitated these things, these ideas that are kind of baked into our society and that we are trying to get rid of and trying to work against, but it still has all these things kind of built into it. I'm curious if you could share, you know, how you're how what you're thinking about it at your school right now and and if students are using it and and kind of where you're at with it it's kind of hard because the cat is already out of the bag i mean i know that students are using ai in our school our first step is teaching students how to use it effectively and being aware of the fact that there are hallucinations and that there's bias baked in um and actually show it to them in real life, in real time, um, with, you know, a topic that they do know enough about so that they can see, oh, like uh, they can actually tear down the response from the from ChatGPT or whatever AI and be like, oh, it said this right here, but this actually isn't true because we know this from this site, you know, from this source or whatever. Um, and I think that's kind of really our, our basis. But I think we really need to educate our students in knowing like, hey, this might seem like it's like helping you or this might seem like it can create a good paragraph, you know, introductory paragraph for you. Um, But think about what you're losing if you're just like, write me an introductory paragraph on an essay about Othello, right? Or, you know, whatever it is, you're not actually using those thinking skills. And I think we need to be able to use it in different ways. And we can say, hey, what do you think, you know, here's my introduction to this essay that I wrote myself. What's some feedback you have? You know, like, do you understand my thesis or whatever? And, 
use it kind of in that way with a grain of salt, right? Again, these things, like, especially when you're trying to get feedback to, to writing, it's going to, it's going to direct you towards the norm, towards the probability. Um, uh-huh. So it's, it's not necessarily going to encourage the most creative or interesting or thoughtful writing. It's going to encourage, you know, like the, the cookie cutter kind of stereotypical five paragraph essay format or things like that. In the context of school, where we're trying to teach students how to think for themselves and how to communicate for themselves, we don't want them to rely on a tool that does that, you know, communication and thinking for them. But there's nothing wrong with using it to, I think, be like to help, you know, to help uh, prompt them towards more nuance or more complexity or to help provide feedback. So this is obviously very, it's still very wet, right? It's very fresh. Um, When you think about Marine Academy in five years, in 10 years, where do you see this? Where is where is the trajectory? We're talking about probability. Where do you see AI heading potentially in terms of its influence in the education landscape? It's hard to predict because it's changing really quickly and things are growing stronger and you know more capable. Kind of it seems every other month or whatever, there's a new model or a new capability. Um, but I see it in use in a lot of different ways. Um you know, some folks have talked about how like this is the calculator of our generation. Um, and just like people were maybe apprehensive about allowing the use of the calculator in math classrooms or the use of the internet um in, you know, as a research tool. Um it's going to be, and now, you know, these days it's ubiquitous and, you know, teachers in math classrooms might say no using a calculator right now, or you have to use this certain type of calculator um, for this certain type of assessment. I think it might be something similar, um, you know, moving forward, at least in the next few years of teachers saying, hey, you can use this type of AI in this way and you have to cite it, right? Um on this assignment, but you can't use AI on this assignment, or you can only use AI in my class to help you, uh, you know, like brainstorm or help give you feedback or whatever. And I see kind of there being some hopefully thoughtful uh, guidelines and restrictions um, put in place. It's interesting, Noah, because I remember when ChatGPT was first released, schools, you know, were clamoring all over themselves to, to, to ban it. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take too long till they're like, wait a second, actually, we might have we might have overreacted on this. And there there actually could be some real benefits here that we need to explore. But it's kind of reminding me, I was a, a high school English teacher at the time when, when we went one to one, you know, every every kid mm-hmm. has a laptop. And and you know, there's been a real change in thinking around one to one, which is that yeah, there's there's some benefits to being able to access research tools and to work on a presentation together and share a Google Doc. But there's also some real downsides to the level of distractibility and kids surfing the internet during class. And so now we go to, I remember, you know, we would even get to like, okay, screens up, screens down, laps. So mm-hmm. your point around, you can imagine AI or chat GPT becoming, okay, 
this project you we encourage you or you may use AI for for this aspect of it, but you may not use it for for this. So kind of finding where where the you where the really the salutary qualities are and 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 harnessing that and and trying to minimize or prevent the really negative detracting ones. I taught writing and you know writing I see I, I love writing, but not everybody loves writing. I, I love writing for writing's sake. And I, I don't expect everybody to love it, fall in love with it. But writing at least did something that ever was valuable for every student I taught, which is teaching and honing logical critical thinking. Right. Because you have to, you have to, in order to, to write a successful essay, you're having to back up your arguments, your thesis with textual evidence, mm-hmm. which is, you know, wonderful training ground for logical critical thinking. So if students are writing less and producing original thought less, and I understand you're not advocating for that. In fact, you're you're hoping that doesn't happen, but that does seem like a, a, a likely scenario in terms of doing less original work, even getting feedback from ChatGPT about how do I get my thesis to be more compelling? It's, it's, it's maybe making me work less on that. Mm-hmm. And so I do also worry about if it's not, if if students are are going to lose that access to the robust um, arena of critical thinking that happens in writing, it needs to happen somewhere else. Um, and I'm not sure what my therefore is, other than just to share that's been a concern I've had. And so, for younger students and even your age students at at MA, it seems like really becoming savvy consumers of these of these products is going to be critical. I guess my question for you would be if you could share, when you think about the range of classes at MA, for example, from a physics class to an art class to a a literature class, what at this point are you most excited about around the the actual learning potential of these tools for students? Or are you excited? I should probably make that more neutral. Are you excited about anything for the learning potentials of of AI and, and and our students? I don't know if I'm excited. Okay, I appreciate your honesty. Uh, no, that, I yeah. really appreciate your honesty. Where, where, maybe it's like, where are you at with it? Yeah, agnostic, um, skeptical, optimistic. I lean towards skeptical. I'd say mostly because of things like that you mentioned. Is I want students to build their own thinking capacities and their own reasoning capacities, and I want them to learn how to do that and to hopefully get pleasure in building those skills, right? Um, And seeing that growth in themselves. And I think like AI right now, I don't see it as a tool that is going to help unless it's used really, really intentionally. I don't see it as a tool that's necessarily going to help students build that deeper reasoning and deeper um, critical thinking skills, as you kind of mentioned. Um, I see it as something that the lure for kind of like a shortcut is, is it's very easy to access. I guess I feel skeptical. It's exciting for the ways that it can reduce uh, kind of rote labor. But again, in a classroom context, I don't, for students, ideally the activities that they're doing and the things that they're doing are not just rote Um, non, you know, things that don't require a ton of thinking. Like we want them doing cool projects that are relevant to the the world as a whole and, you know, like to authentic audiences. And 
I mean, I think about like I was just thinking about when you're talking about the the real crisis we have around um, just factualness and and what is truth. You know, that just there was that famous quote about alternative facts, right? The, and so, in some ways, it's pretty scary because if a percentage of what we get out from AI is going to be unreliable and inaccurate, we're just going to accept that that is still true and not and not be more rigorous in in looking at sources and looking for truth because uh, there is something that is there is something called fact and there is something called truth let's take this output from ai and let's get really interested in being detectives checking the facts mm-hmm. so getting students excited about being detectives in fact checking because of the ubiquity of ai and they're going to encounter it so much in college i, I expect it could get them it could be that one of the arenas where they're developing that critical thinking skill. Mm-hmm. If the teachers are doing that though, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Schools have to be, parents and schools have to play a very active role in then guiding our kids to be, you know, highly discerning around what they're reading online and, and, and from AI mm-hmm. um, becoming somewhat skeptical. It seems like not cynical, but skeptical. Yeah, I think a healthy amount amount of kind of techno skeptic skepticalness. <laughs> if <laughs> I don't think that's a word, I like but, it. You know, I, 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 I'll buy it. That's good. <laughs> we need skepticism around technology. That doesn't mean we need to be luddites and you know all say no. I'm never going to use technology because it's scary and not useful. No, technology is incredibly useful. Um, but we do need to examine the ways that it's impacting ourselves and our society and our culture in a way that's really thoughtful um, and can oftentimes not happen because it's just so easy to accept these things. And there's so many things and new, you know, new things. And I think it's really easy to just be like, oh yeah, I'm going to try this or like, let's do that and not think about, okay, how is this like slow down? Who this is cool or this is scary. And let's think about, you know, how, like, let's be skeptical about the ways that we actually implement these things. Like I'm thinking if I was a teacher again, and I, you know, maybe someday we'll go back to the classroom, but I can imagine even lesson planning using chat GPT. Like I, you know, I used to teach Macbeth, right? So I have a, an afternoon class with freshmen on Macbeth. And I know they're often pretty tired and, and easily bored in the afternoon. So I could go to chat GPT and say, I'm on, you know, the, I'm on this scene in Macbeth. And um, from the perspective of a 14 year old high school freshman, what would be an activity that would be um, interactive and hands-on that might bring this chapter to life? Well, I could totally see doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it, it can, it's, it can be like a great prompter, right? Like you see something and you're you know it tells you like oh you could do like a story map or you could do whatever whatever and it can be a great prompter for you to be like oh yeah i totally forgot about that like that's a great idea you know like i hadn't thought about you know this in that way and i think there's total value in that and you you know know, that would actually make me a better teacher i'm the one who has Mm -hmm. to do the work chat gpt ChatGPT is not standing in front of 20 freshmen and doing teaching them Macbeth. I'm doing that, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to get the sweat in and actually, design, you know, make the lesson come to life. 
but I'm learning like, oh yeah, that I hadn't thought about that project. I hadn't done that in so long. As you said, it prompted me. So I could see it in terms of going back to that idea of life enhancing, making me, helping me become a better teacher. I think it is possible that we are going to have, and I mean, I think this already happens in a computer science context of that's how students creatively think and create, right? In a way that is like art for them. And I think like we we could certainly come to ways where students find really cool, interesting ways to use technology and AI um, creatively and artistically, right? To, to create... Yeah something. And I think that's totally possible. And I kind of can't wait to see, you know, how, how, how that happens and how, how students and people start kind of thinking about ways to use AI in a really creative way. You know, I was, I'm critical or skeptical of, of compute AI generated art because an artist will be losing that, that internal um, fulfilling experience of creating the art with, with, with brush and paint, say on canvas. And I think what I heard you say is that they may not be using a, a literal brush and a literal canvas and, and literal paint, but it doesn't mean that they wouldn't be actually creating potentially. Ultimately, as with so many things, you know, balance. Yeah. Is funny how, funny so how it keeps going back to balance every generation, right? Comes, yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe the conclusion for us as parents and as educators is ensuring that we're observing how our children are spending their time. You know, as, as Anne Lamont said, how we spend our days is how we spend our life or how we spend our days is how we spend our life. Um, and ensuring that we're guiding them toward, toward balance of experience. And there's a lot that's, that's, you know, I think the richness of life is going to come from in, in real life experiences, in real life, human connections, in real life connections to nature and um, there's a lot to be gained and experienced um, in 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 these other tools that that are developing and, and changing. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. this has been a great conversation. Yeah, thanks for you know taking the time to talk. I really appreciate it, Sam. Really appreciate it. Great, great to get to talk to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. See ya.